Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Can we give our worship team just a little bit of thanks this morning? for leading us so, so well. Well, again, good morning and welcome to City Hope. Uh, If I haven't got to meet you yet, my name's Bobby and I would love to meet you as soon as the service is over. I'm so glad to see so many of you and it's a big, big, big deal for me that you're here this morning because your presence matters to me and to us and our church. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to be here. Maybe you've got some kids over in the kids ministry. Thank you for for trusting us to partner with you and helping and and, and discipling your children. Um, we are, we're so thankful for that. We're kicking off a new series today. I, I could not wait to get up here um, um, for the last couple weeks. I've been studying and getting ready, and we're going to start this series today called Anti-Heroes. Anti-Heroes. And I'm really excited to see what God has in store for us. But before we jump into Anti-Heroes, I, wanna, I want you to think about how many of you guys in here, first and foremost, is everybody like who you're sitting next to? Everybody good? Everybody good? Okay. Give you a chance to move. This is your chance. All right. Somebody went like this. Like, <laughs> um, uh, how many of you grew up and you had a hero growing up? Anybody you had a hero? Okay. Now, now I, I know for some of you, like my mom, my dad, my coach, my teacher, but what about just like a, a ball player or, or a famous person? Anybody have a hero like that? Some of you, some of you did. I was thinking through some of the heroes and, and I asked my dad and, and, and you know, he was born back in the fifties and I'm like, who was your, who was your hero? And he's like, John Wayne. Right. I'm like, what? And, 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 uh, I was asking some of the guys this morning and, and, uh, uh one of them was Elvis. Right. Somebody said Elvis. Uh, there was some other guys I never heard of that they were talking about. Um, but I, my my generation, you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, early, early 40s, real early 40s. Uh, but my generation was like, of course, Michael Jordan. Right. Like I grew up loving some Michael Jordan. Um, but one that that man, I just love this dude. Hulk Hogan. Any Hulk Hogan fans? Come on now. Like the, the pythons. And yeah, like it was just amazing. I asked my kids, right? They're teenagers today. Who's, who's some of your heroes, right? And I'm like, oh gosh, I, I don't even want to hear what they're going to say. We got, we got Taylor Swift. We got Taylor Swift. Um, we did, we did get LeBron James like that. What a bad hero right there. Um, and then, and then probably for some of you younger generations, some TikTok star that none of us know have ever heard of, right? Some YouTuber. Um, but, but we all know, you think about heroes, right? We all know what a hero is. We all know what a hero, you know, in our mind looks like, right? Like, like you know, Bo Jackson, I heard this morning, like this is man of an athlete and we want to be like this. And, and the hero is, is like the star of the show, right? They're, the, they're the winner. They, they get the girl in the end. <laughs> they, they, man, they defeat the enemy, the hero, the one that comes out on top. But for most of us in here today, you probably don't look at yourself like you're the hero. Right. You probably don't don't go, you know, there's there's Michael Jordan and there's me and we're right here together. Right. You probably think a little bit more of, well, you know, I want to be at that level, but I I got work to do. Right. I got I got I got to get there. I want to give you the definition of anti-hero as we start this 
uh, a sermon series, and maybe you'll relate a little bit more to an anti-hero. Look at this. A central character, still somebody in the story, who lacks conventional heroic attributes. Some of you are like, yeah, that's more me. That's, that's, more, that's more of the in line, you know, you got, you got Elvis, you got John Wayne, and then you got me, right? And, and for some of us, we're like, okay, I can, I can be there. I got some work to do. Well, the Bible uh, is, is obviously a, an unbelievable book who has a hero. And it has the hero of all heroes in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we're, we're able to see Jesus and, and what God did through his son Jesus all throughout the Bible. But there's also a lot of stories in the Bible of ordinary people just like me and you. Just like us that we can look at and go, you know, uh, in this story that, that maybe even Jesus is telling or, or one, of, one of the authors is telling, man, there's, there's a story of this guy or this lady and I can really relate to them because I see myself in them. Well, the Bible is a book and, 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 and I love, I love, love, love studying the Bible and I learn more about it all the time. And it, it's really cool. The Bible is a book made up of many different authors. Okay. Many of those authors never even met each other. They're just di- generation to generation. They didn't even meet, but they all wrote this book and they all worked together under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and just to, to capture this, this rich history book of, of who God is and who Jesus was. And, 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 and it, it talks about about how God had his chosen people, the Israelites, and what did he do for them? And, and, and we see so many different people, so many different individuals. We see blood, we see sweat, we see tears shed by so many people who, who, who God gave them this calling in their life, but they fell short. He gave them what he wanted them to do, and over and over again, they fell short. So over the next three weeks, we're going to gather around three specific individuals Today, we're going to talk about Samson. Next week, we're going to talk about Rahab. And then week three, we're going to talk about David. And they all share something in common. They're all anti-heroes. They're all anti-heroes. But here's some good news I want you to bring to your soul this morning. All right, hear me today. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been here. And man, I'm going to go fast. And I, I, I tend to have a little bit of energy. And, and so you're like, man, this dude's crazy. Whatever it is, I want you to bring this into your situation today. Okay, bring this into your soul, whether this is your first time here or you've been here since day one. God has a plan for each of us and a purpose for all of us, no matter what we've done. Now hear that for me today. God has a plan for each of us and a purpose for all of us, no matter what we've done. No matter what level you believe your spirituality is on today, no matter where your relationship with God is or isn't, okay, God has a plan for you. And here's my goal in this series, okay? We're, we, well, I, I, I went a little bit too fast. Next week, we're going to take a week off. We're going to have a Father's Day sermon, all right? So, ladies, here's your reminder. you got a week out. Ladies don't need reminders about buying stuff, right? <clears throat> That's just guys. <clears throat> but, 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 but here's my goal. Over this series, over these next four weeks, this is what I want you to see. There's no need for you to hide behind a mask because your worst moments do not define you. Oh, man, if we could just bring that in, if we could just live by that, right? If we could just live by that and really, truly believe in that statement that I don't have to act like I got it all together. I don't have to act like everything's purpose. Everything is is, is beautiful and, and, and done well because my worst moments don't have to 
define me. Now, I want to be real honest with you today, okay? For some of you, today is going to be a tough sermon to hear. It really is. It's going to be tough because you're going to be faced with some uh, uh, conviction. You're going to be faced with some decisions that you probably need to make in your life. But I want you to know that this time isn't meant to condemn you or cut you down. But it's also not meant to convince you that you are perfect just the way you are. Now, let me say that again. Our time together isn't meant to condemn you or cut you down, but it's also not meant to convince you that you're perfect just the way you are. See, we believe that God's word, if you read stories of heroes in the Bible, it doesn't leave out these tarnishing details, right? We, we don't read just the highlights. We see all of it. Why is that? Well, I think God's word doesn't shy away from the truth, and so we're not going to shy away from the truth. We see that, that all of us are broken people. All of us are broken people. All of us desperately need help in becoming who God wants us to be. Now, it's real easy for us to look at other people, right? It's real easy to say, oh, well, they need this in their life, and if they would do this, right, that's, that's easy. But when we understand we're all broken people and we all desperately need help, and so I challenge you this week and for the next coming weeks. But I want you to know that there's a hope, there's strength found in the one that, when, 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 that never grows weak, the one that is the ultimate hero. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later. So let's jump into this week's anti-hero. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges. Judges chapter number 13. If you go to the front of the Bible, it's uh, I think the sixth book in your Bible. And uh, we're going to go to Judges chapter number 13. If you don't have your Bible, we're secretly judging you on the inside, but we do have it on the screen. Um, for, I'm just kidding. We don't really judge you. Let me give you a little bit of context. The book of Judges is named after the type of leadership that Israel has, Okay. This is the type of leadership that God's people has in their life right now. Now, the people of Israel probably is a lot like us today, right? Very similar in a lot of different ways. They don't like being told what to do. Um, they often stray away from what God tells them to do, okay? And then they will drift away from the Lord, and then God appoints a judge over them to, to speak truth into their lives and to bring them back to him to rule over them. Okay, the book of Judges contains some scholars say 12, some say 13 uh, descriptions of different judges that, that are in uh, uh, over the, the children of Israel. Now, for, for some of you, you think judge, right? What do you think? You think like black robe, gavel, bang, you're guilty, bang, you're not, right? That's not these kind of judges, okay? These were uh, military deliverers, okay? They were people who were appointed by God. They were raised up by God to lead these people and to judge them. Okay. So today we're going to look at Samson and we start with the birth of Samson. All right. So judges chapter 13. If you found that, let's stand and honor the reading of God's word. We'll, we'll read just through the first six verses here in judges chapter 13. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years there was a certain man from Zorah, from the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and had no children. 
The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Although you are unable to conceive and have no children, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now please be careful not to drink wine or beer or anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And look at this last part. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Would you pray with me? Father, for these next few moments, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us. Fill us up. Fill this place up with you, God. Speak directly to our hearts. You know what we've brought in here today. The hurt, the struggle, the sin. God, I pray that today we would have a heart open to hear from you. Help us to learn and grow and fall more in love with you through this, through this wonderful passage. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we got the birth of Samson. And right from the beginning, I want you to see that last part again. The Bible says, he will begin to save Israel. He will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. So from the beginning, Samson was built by God to do something amazing. Okay, we see this. He was born into a family who was not supposed to have children, and he was chosen by God to lead a nation. Now, for some of you, when you were reading that, you were like, man, this, this Samson story kind of sounds familiar, right? Born of a mother who couldn't get pregnant. The angel of the Lord came to this mother and said she's going to have a son and her, her son was going to be holy. He was going to be distinguished. He was going to be the one to, to, to lead God's people, the Israelites, against the enemy. And so for some of you, you it, it, it should sound familiar. But I want you to see something today. We're going to talk about Samson. But as I was reading through this, man, this jumped off the page like like. like I was like, man, we got to talk about Samson's mom for a second. Because we don't, we don't read a lot about Samson's mom. All we know is that, that she was a woman who, who could not have children. The angel of the Lord came to her. She was barren. She was struggling with the fact that she couldn't conceive. And, and I was doing a little bit of studying and I was looking. And I want you to go, look, look at verse 3 here. I want you to see this, what, what a, a, another... Another version of the Bible says, an angel of Yahweh appeared to the woman and said to her, look, you are now barren and you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, now just go with me here. You're sitting there. You're, you're Samson's mom and you get this from the Lord. And you're in this season and, and the, the angel of the Lord says, right now you are here. You are now here, but you shall be here. Now for, for some of you, that's the promise that you need to hear this morning. That's the promise from God that you needed to be reminded about this morning. You are now, but you shall. You are now fighting this tough battle. You are now in this season of, of loneliness. You are now over here. And the promise from God is, but you shall be here. You shall get through this. You shall. And, and, and I want to encourage you today. Don't stop praying for your promise. Don't stop praying for your promise. You are now, but you shall. Samson's mom was a great example of someone who didn't give up, who didn't stop just because the season was tough. And so we keep going. Judges 
13, verse uh, 24. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Then the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. So fast forward for the sake of time, Samson begins to grow. Samson begins to become this mighty warrior. If you look throughout Samson's life, there was a time when Samson was walking down the road and a lion comes to attack him. And, and the Bible says he ripped the lion limb from limb, like just, just this manly dude, right? He takes, he takes the bones of, of a donkey and he kills a thousand people, right? He's, he's like just this man. He, 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 rips, he rips city gates off of their hinges and throws them out of the way. I mean, this dude is... Like the enemies were scared of this dude, right? He was the man, manly, manly man, that he was unstoppable. He was invincible. Samson, as we read, he was a real life hero. But there are some realities about Samson. Although he did all these things that were strong and manly and, and we see the powerful things that he did, Samson's life was also a bit of a contradiction. If you dig in and read about Samson, he was a man of great physical strength, but he was a man of very big moral weakness. The truth is, he didn't act like a hero all the time. The truth is, when you look at the, 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 the complete life of Samson, Samson's strength seems to be only matched by Samson's weaknesses. His weaknesses were just as strong. Samson had a weakness for a pretty face. The reality is, Samson... He was a womanizer. <laughs> he was a vengeful man. Samson had some struggles. And there's two things that I want to pull out today that, that we're going to walk through. And I believe that it's going to touch every one of us in here. Again, no matter what season, no matter where you're at in your life, there's two things, two truths that, that I think we learn out of Samson's life and out of Samson's decision. I'm going to give you these two. You can't leave, but I'm going to give you both of them. And then we're going to, then we're going to talk about them, okay? Number one, the necessity of saying no to fleshly temptation. The necessity of saying no to fleshly temptation. We're going to learn about what that means. And, and, and if you're a note taker and you see that, maybe put out beside it consequences of my sin. There's consequences of my sin. So the necessity of saying no. And then the second part I want you to see today is God's use of flawed sinful men to accomplish his will. God's use of flawed sinful men to accomplish his will. And maybe out next to that one, put the mercy of God. So number one, the necessity of saying no to fleshly temptation. In, in chapter 14, we see Samson, he had some fleshly temptations that he really struggled with. Look at these first couple verses in chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back and told his father and his mother, I've seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. <laughs> but his father and mother said to him, can't you find a young woman among your relatives? Kind of weird. Or among any of your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Now remember what we read here at the beginning. The Israelites were under oppression from the Philistines for 40 years years, right? Needless to say, they didn't get along real well with each other, right? And here's Samson saying, I want to marry this Philistine lady. 
I want to go. And I, I, and now this marriage from it, it, it wasn't technically illegal, but it caused a lot of cultural tension. Right. It caused a lot of issues. Right. But Samson couldn't say no, even when his mom and his dad were like, son, this isn't wise. This isn't what you should do. Can't you find somebody from our people? I don't know if you should do this, son. And Samson could not say no to this, this fleshly temptation. He wanted to get this woman. And as you read, Samson repeatedly broke God's covenant. He repeatedly broke God's covenant. He was seeking foreign wives. He was sleeping with prostitutes. He was was touching dead things. He was eating unclean things. He was drinking wine. And he often showed no interest in delivering Israel. The reason why Samson was born, the reason that God gave him his calling, oftentimes Samson showed no interest. He fell into temptation again and again and again. Now, church, I want you to listen closely today. I want you to hear what I have to say. No matter what we do, we cannot escape sin's curse on our own. We cannot escape sin's curse on our own. This is why sin is still our kryptonite today. Sin is something that all of us have, that all of us walk through, that all of us deal with. John, one of Jesus' best friends, one of the first followers of Jesus, he wrote this letter to the church in 1 John. He says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's saying, listen, sin is part of your nature. Sin is entered into your life and it even, it brings down the mightiest of heroes. All these people that, that maybe you and I consider heroes. Maybe there's even some people in, 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 as you were growing up, some, some pastors or some spiritual leaders and you've seen sin bring down even the mightiest of heroes. Samson with all of his strength, with all of his power, all of that was simply not strong enough to withhold but I want you to see what else John says. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But look at this. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, that's a big if, isn't it? That's a big ask. But what happens if we do this? God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, purify us from all righteousness, unrighteousness. Look at this. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Church, let me ask you this tough question today. What sin do you need to confess today? I like it when it gets quiet, Stephen. That means I'm preaching. That means means it's going good. Dang, man, I came to church to have a good day. Why are you doing this? What sin do you need to confess today? We're reading about a hero in the Bible. What sin do you have in your heart? And, and let me just give you a little side caveat here, okay? Let me, let me give you a little, a little extra tip. Regret is not repentance, right? Regret is not feeling guilty and saying I'm sorry is different than seeking God and saying, God, I repent and I'm gonna turn from my sin and I'm gonna go a different way. Does that make sense? Regret is not repentance, Right? Samson, he couldn't say no. He couldn't say no. Everybody was telling him, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. 
But he couldn't say no. And I want you to see that there's consequences to your sin. I ask you that question, not because I want you to feel guilty and walk out of here going, all right, I'm the worst person in the world. No, 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 no. I want you to answer that question of what sins do I have to confess? Because why? There's consequences to your sin. There's consequences when you hold on and you can't say no and you don't turn. Look what happens. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And then suddenly a lion came roaring at him. As Samson pursued this unrighteous relationship, what happened? A lion attacked. As Samson was on this path of sin, the enemy came and tried to devour Samson. He did not want Samson to win. He did not, and that's how we have to view this in our lives. When we have sin that we're not going to turn from, that we're on that path, then the enemy is going to come and he's going to try to chew you up and spit you out. He's going to ruin your marriage. He's going to ruin your relationship with your family. He's going to do everything he can. Why? Because there's consequences to our sin. What enemy's trying to destroy you today? And I want you to see this. Samson's story is, it's, it's crazy, right? Let me encourage you just to read 13 to 16. But look at this. I want to I show you what happens when we're not careful. When we're, when we're not willing to turn from our sin. When we're not willing to take the right steps. Things begin to spile out of control. Samson got the girl. He got, the, he got the woman that he wanted, but look what happens. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a gift and visited his wife. So he got the girl. He shows up and he says, I want to go to my wife in her room. But his fa her father would not let him enter. I was sure you hated her, her father said. So I gave her to one of the men who accompanied you. Uh-oh. Isn't her younger sister more beautiful? Why not take her instead? Samson said to them, this time I will be blameless when I harm the Philistines. He's fired up. He's angry. And then he does one of the weirdest things you'll read in the Bible. He went out. He caught 300 foxes. How long did that take? Who knows? He took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, put a torch between each pair of tails, he ignited the torches, released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned the piles of grain and standing grain as well, the vineyards and the olive groves. Like, this is crazy. Then the Philistines said, who did this? They were told it was Samson, the Timnite son-in-law, because he took Samson's wife and gave her to his companion. Look at this. This is nuts. So the Philistines went to her and her father and burn them to death. You see how Samson not being willing to say no to that, to that fleshly temptation of seeing that woman, I want that woman, give me that woman. He wouldn't listen to the wise words of his family. He was, he was on track. Did you see how now it spiraled out of control? See, see, we, it's easy for us to roll our eyes at Samson, right? It's easy for us to go, like, what is he thinking? This dude's an idiot, right? But because of his weakness, because of his inability to say no, everyone around him began to suffer. And listen to me, church, there are always consequences to our sin. 
There's always going to be consequences to your sin. Some of you are sitting in here right now and you think, well, my sin doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody even knows. The enemy wants to deceive you into believing it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. You can do that. Nobody cares. It makes you happy. Nobody even knows you do it. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe. But I want you to know there's always consequences to our sin. Sin will always take you, what, further than you want to go. Samson's weakness of heart and his foolishness and his, his inability to say no, it led him into this cycle of, of vengeance. It led him into this anger with the Philistines. And what did it do? It led to the death of this woman that he said he loved. It led to the death of her father. Suffering came into their life. So how about you? Are there choices you're making in your life right now that are causing those around you to suffer? That's a tough one to answer, right? That's a tough one to be like, yeah, because it's easy to get mad at other people. It's easy to get mad and point fingers, but when I have to bring it to me, wait, is there something that I got going on in my life that are causing people around me to suffer? I want to give you just real quick, I'm, I'm kind of hammering you, right? And, and I hope the Lord is convicting. I hope the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to your heart today. But I want to give you a practical step. If you've been with us for very long, I'm, I'm just a very practical person. Like, you know, if, if, if I'm trying to lose 10 pounds, give me a plan and I'll work it for 30 days. And, and that, it, I, I'm just practical. And so I want to give you a practical step. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I got some sin in my life. I, 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 there's people around me that are suffering. There's consequences of my sin. Let me, let me give you just a real quick plan. It's, it's, it's real simple. Cut off anything that cuts you off from God. Cut off anything that cuts you off from God. If you're struggling with, with greed, if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with, with an impure relationship or any other vice, any other thing that you know shouldn't be there, cut it off before it cuts you off. Get it out of your life. Now, now hear me. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm not talking about, oh, don't, well, I'll try not to do. No, 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 no. Cut it out of your life. Cut it off. Leave it behind. Cut off anything that cuts you off from God. If there's anything we learn from Samson, we learn we have to say no to earthly temptations. But here's the good news. Here's the hope. Here's the promise. Here's, here's the encouragement for all of us in this room today because I know that every single one of us, including myself, all of us can relate with part one because we're all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. The second truth that we see from Samson's life, look at this. God uses flawed and sinful men to accomplish his will. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God uses flawed and sinful men to accomplish his will. I, I, I want you to see this. Look real quick back at verse or, or chapter 14, verse 4. Because this is, this is something that we, we can't overlook. Now, his father and mother, look at this. They did not know this was from the Lord. 
The Lord wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity for a confrontation. At that time, the Philistines were ruling Israel. So, so during this time that Samson was making these bad choices, God still had a plan. God still knew what he was doing. And even when mom and dad didn't see the plan, God was still working. Because the Lord uses sinful weakness of man to accomplish his purpose and bring praise to his name. God used Samson to free his people. Despite Samson's unwise decisions, despite his, his, his eye for, for pretty women, despite his, his vengeance that he had in his heart, God chooses to work through imperfect people all throughout Scripture. Now, if you're like me, this is tough to accept. Because some of you got this, this mindset you're not good enough. You're unworthy. You can't do that. I struggle. I struggle with my temper. I struggle with my focus. I struggle with my prayer life. I struggle with, with always having the right habits. I struggle. And some of you in here right now, like, like you're like, okay, I know my weaknesses. <laughs> I know my weaknesses really well. But throughout history, you got you to believe this and, and, and bring this in. Throughout history, God picks people who are unqualified. God uses people like Samson. Despite the weaknesses, despite the struggles, he chooses to use imperfect people all throughout this history book. God chooses to work through antiheroes like Samson, like me, like you. Because listen, he can take our, our, our worst, most shameful moments and turn them into a spectacular show of his glory and his goodness and his power. He can take your story, your struggle, your sin and turn it into this spectacular show of who he is. God never gave up on Samson despite Samson's mistakes. Hear me today, church. Here's the good news. God is merciful even in our failures. God is merciful even in our failures. God didn't withhold the spirit from Samson because of one mistake. Despite all of Samson's superhero strength, right? Samson is still weak. Despite this, this manly man that he is, he's still human, just like me and you. He's still the same anti-hero underneath the mask, right? But if you keep reading chapter 16, you'll go in and you'll see God restored Samson's strength. Some of you remember the story. He, he ends up telling his wife what his strength is. He gets his hair cut off. He loses his strength. He, he, he gets put away. But, but through Samson, Samson just began to earnestly pray, God, give me strength back. God, give me strength back. And he began to pray. And he began to ask God. And his, his situation, his circumstance seemed hopeless. And, and God allowed him to get his strength back and, and have one more tre tremendous blow against his enemies and, and, and for God's people. Because he earnestly went before the Lord. And that's good news for you and I. Because if God still listened to Samson's prayers, he'll still listen to ours. 
If God still gave Samson after all that he did wrong, then he can still use anti-heroes like me and you. That's the good news. As we land the plane today, as we wrap up, Samson, his story, and his life, it all points to something greater than him. It all points to someone stronger than him. And if someone as strong as Samson, if, if, if he can't solve his own sin problem, let alone the problems of all the people that, that he's leading, if he can't do it, is there any hope for us? See, I told you at the beginning, this book is, is an unbelievable book. All these different authors and generations led by the Holy Spirit to give us what we have as the Bible. But it all points, it all points to a hero who came 2,000 years ago named Jesus Christ. Who demonstrated the power to defeat sin and death once and for all. One of the greatest uh, uh, authors of the Bible is, is Paul. And Paul was around when Jesus was, was resurrected from the death. He was, he, he was literally uh, alive. And while Jesus was, was on his way to, to be killed and, 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 and all this stuff, Paul, Paul was able to see all of it. And he, and he writes a letter to a church. And I want you to see this. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, listen to this, be reconciled to God. Now I gotta stop there. Be reconciled to God. Every one of us in this room, you have to ask yourself this question. Your spouse cannot answer this question for you. Your parents cannot answer this question for you. Am I reconciled to God? Is there anything in between me and the Lord? Paul says, be reconciled to God. Have you confessed your sin? Doesn't mean you're perfect. It means, is there anything standing in between you and God? Is there any relationship? Is there any vice? Is there any sin that is, that is between you and God? Then he gives us hope. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. God not only forgave our sin, he not only took our sin, but he heroically took the punishment of our sin. Think about that. I deserve this, this eternity in hell. I deserve damnation. I deserve, this is what I deserve. This is what Samson deserves. But because of Jesus, the hero of the story, he took that sin upon himself. And he said, your record's clean, Bobby. Your record's clean. As we end our time together today, I want to end just a little bit different. <clears throat> I was thinking about it this week, and a couple weeks ago, we we were able to go on a, a family trip, and Shira, my wife, and I, we met at college in Jacksonville, Florida. <clears throat> we did what 
all parents do is we took our kids and we showed them where our dorm room was and you know look at that that's that's where we snuck off and kissed you know that's where we, <laughs> that's where we went to eat and we showed them all this and they're grossed out and <clears throat> got out and took a picture you know and I'm like most guys I'm like I ain't taking no picture come on you know like <clears throat> and then just started thinking over the last couple of weeks um you know God did a lot in my heart during those years and and I'll never forget, I wasn't training to be a pastor. I, I, I wasn't there yet, and I wanted to coach sports. You know, I went to college to play basketball, and, but I wanted to coach. And, and I'll never forget, um, we had chapel, and we'd go to church. And every once in a while, um, the pastor, he would, he would kind of give us this, this invitation, right? Some of you guys grew up in a Baptist church, and they give the invitation, and people come up, and they, they kneel down, and people pray for them, and pray over them, and, and, and that's phenomenal, right? That's, that's great. And, and, and the pastor, that he would always kind of give this kind of like three-part invitation. And, and, and I remember having this conversation with him one day, and it, it's just stuck with me. And um, he said, Bobby, here's what I try to do. He said, I try to give a, a salvation, if you want to respond and you want to get saved and you want Jesus to become the Lord of your life. He said, everybody in the room falls under these three, one of these three categories. He says, it's either salvation. And he said, the second thing is sanctification. Okay, big word. Some of you may know what it is. Some of you may not. It simply means just like I'm working through a process. I'm striving to do better. I'm, I'm cleaning up the sin out of my life. I'm, I'm taking steps toward Jesus. I'm, I'm trying to become the person that he's called me to be. I'm, I'm trying to be sanctified, right? So he said salvation. He said the second thing is sanctification. And, and he said the third thing is surrender, right? Good Baptist preacher, all three S's, right? <laughs> Salvation, sanctification, surrender. Surrender, Bobby, that's when, that's when there's people that, that they know they're saved, they know God's Lord of their life, and, and they're striving after Jesus. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're, they're on that path to sanctification, but there's something that they haven't surrendered. Maybe it's their, it's their time, it's, their, it's, it's the service that God's calling them to, to serve somewhere. It's, it's just being willing to, to, to you know, stop chasing after money, but it's just surrendering to what God's call is on your life. And for some reason this week, as I was thinking through Samson, I was thinking through these anti-heroes, like that came back to me. And I'm like, you know what? Everybody in the room, after you hear a sermon like this, falls in one of those three categories. All of us. Every single one of us. And so today, salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You can relate to the anti-hero part. You can relate to the sin part. You can relate to the, to the, the, the Samson failing part. But the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you, you've never, you've never truly brought that in. You've never truly accepted that and, and made him Lord of your life. If that's your step today, man, don't leave here knowing that's your step without taking it. Sanctification. What sin do you have in your life that you need to confess? What do you got going on in your heart that, that, that God would look at and go, it's time. It's time for you to get that out. It's time for you to, it's time for you. The Bible says, we just read it. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What sins do you need to confess today? Three, surrender. What do you need to surrender? What do you need to surrender? 
And Samson had a lot he needed to surrender. There's some things in my heart that I need to surrender. If God's speaking to your heart today, I just want to encourage you. I want to, I want to challenge you. Take that step. Take that step. Let's do this. I'm going to ask you right now just to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to leave here in a minute. We're going to go, go to lunch. Have a good day. Man, I'm, I, I, I. But before we do that, can you, can you just give the Lord a 60 second, uh, give the Lord 120 seconds of your life right now. Say, God, speak to me. What step do you need me to take today? know the Lord, if you don't have a personal relationship with God today, it's the most important decision for you, for your family, for your future. Whatever it is, whatever sin you got in your life, will you just say, God, I'm here today and I'm confessing and I'm going to repent. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to cut it off. I got to stop this. There's too much consequences. Maybe God's been stirring in your heart to surrender. You need to be a leader. You need to get involved in a ministry. You need to get involved in your neighborhood. You need to get involved as a dad in your your kid's spiritual walk. What is God calling you to surrender today? As simple as we can make this, I just want you to know, when you walk out these back doors today, there's a tent back there. And we've got people who have been praying for you this week. We've got people that that would be willing to take God's word and pray with you and to talk with you and to share with you and to show you what it means for salvation, sanctification, and surrender. Can I just encourage you, don't don't rush by them and say bye. Stop. Say, hey, I need need to talk to somebody. I'll be right here. Pastor Stephen, Pastor Brian, Pastor Brad, my wife. Like, Like, don't leave here if God's stirring in your heart. Father, I pray for these next few days of our lives this message that your message of of this anti-hero that we read about Samson God bring this into our life help us to realize that we have to say no to fleshly temptation there are consequences to our sin but God help us to know the good news that in you and only in you not by any works of ourselves only because of your grace you use flawed people You use the unqualified. You use those of us who don't feel worthy to do great things. God, we thank you for your mercy. And I pray that that reminder, that encouragement would let us walk out of here today living our lives to the fullest. God, we love you. We're grateful for all you do for us. Continue to work in our hearts even as we leave this place. In Jesus' name. Again, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Um, Looking forward to seeing you guys next week for Father's Day. Dads, come have fun. Come early. We're going to have a good time. Got some fun stuff planned. Uh, We love you. Pastor Stephen, come give us some announcements. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.